Hi there and welcome to Raising Resilient Teens, the podcast version. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm so grateful you're here with me today, where we talk about all things teenagers, raising teenagers and the joys that go with it. With that, let's kick it off. Hello there and welcome everybody to the Raising Resilient Teens podcast. I am joined today by my very first podcast guest. Her name is Nicole Embra and she is the cyber safety expert, helping parents across the globe with parental controls, safety settings and healthy screen habits. Nicole, welcome. Super glad you're here. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you for having me. So, Nicole, it's going to be very much um, all about you today. So, firstly, tell us a little bit about you and your story and I suppose your family and how you ended up doing what you do. Okay, I'd be happy to do that. Here we go. Um, So, I am a mum to three girls. They are 10, 15 and 17, nearly 18. And when my eldest was about six years old, she would sit with me at my laptop and we would use the mouse and we would play games on the ABC website. So it was a really safe website. And this particular day, I had to walk away from the laptop to do something with her sibling. So I left her there. And while I was away from her, it occurred to me that I had my, I'd had my banking open that morning. I'd had Yikes. my work email. <laughs> I'd had my work emails open that morning, and I couldn't even tell you what work documents I might have had open. And it just suddenly dawned on me that not only could she potentially be accessing those items, but without me looking over her shoulder and sitting next to her and guiding her, she could potentially be clicking into another website and on links that looked innocent but took them to not-so-innocent places. And I'm talking about being able to see things like adult images, things that aren't meant for children to see. So I had an absolute panic and ran back to the laptop and guess what? Was was this (laughs) in a space of about 10 seconds flat that all these thoughts had gone through your head? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I'd walked away, started dealing with the situation and it all just went flooding through my mind. Yep. And I've run back and she's still just on the ABC Kids website. Okay, so crisis was averted <laughs> and uh, it took a little while for my heart rate to come down. But what occurred to me is that uh, there were going to be times that I wasn't going to be able to sit with her. And at this point, so we're talking many years ago, uh, we didn't have iPads. And I think at the time that the smartphones, you know, the Apple iPhones were just starting to come out. So I was panicking and I didn't even realise then what was going to be ahead of us. All I knew is that she and her siblings were going to be using internet-enabled devices. And with a background in IT, I was aware of some of the dangers. So I thought, well, we can't have this. (laughs) Um, I want to know how I can protect my girls when they're online. So that's when I fell back onto my IT skills and I started uh, researching initially all of the parental controls and the restrictions that were available 
freely for parents to use for their children. And whilst I went through that process, I was finding out about online bullying and all that sort of stuff that came with it. So I started helping parents with determining what parental controls they needed and helping them to actually physically implement those in their homes about five years ago. And during that time, two things happened. The first was that clients started asking me about screen time, how long they should let their child use a screen. So that was the first thing. And the second thing that happened was one day I walked into my lounge room and there were three little heads looking at screens. And it was another one of those aha moments. I'd set it up so that they were safe. They still required supervision, but they were safe from a lot of the bad stuff, but they weren't safe from themselves for the amount of time that they were using their screens for. It wasn't healthy. So that's when I set about um, researching screen time and I created a six-step process that we went through as a family to determine what I call our family screen time formula. And then I use that to help other families find their screen time formula. So that's how the parental controls part came about and the healthy screen time habits came together. So after all the work that you've done, particularly around screen time and the conversations that you have with your clients now, do you think or believe that parents actually have a grip on how much screen time their children are using or potentially using even before they put those parameters in place? I'd say not because without the parameters, without the agreements with children in place, kids are using their devices not only where they want but whenever they want and some of them are using them inside the home and outside the home so our parents aren't seeing um, that activity. And the other thing is that we as cyber safety experts are kind of moving away a little bit from the amount of time a child is spending on the screen. That still counts very much because you can't have them on a screen all day. But what we're looking at now is more the content that the child is consuming. So if a child is reading a novel on their device, that is very different to consuming YouTube video after YouTube video. In that sense, I say that parents probably aren't aware how their children are using their devices and what they're consuming. No, that actually makes a lot of sense. For teenagers in particular, because this is a podcast around uh, raising teenagers, is it too late to put in those controls once your children have hit those early teens or is there a is there like an ideal time to start it or or what? Like I yeah. know I feel even before starting this and doing doing the prep work for, for this podcast, like I was thinking when Harry was going through, I didn't even know about this as much as I do now. So for me, it's been very much an educational thing for me as a parent uh, and I've certainly narrowed it down a wee bit for Addison. I suppose we learn as we go, but like, is there an ultimate time to start and is it too late once they get to the teenage years? First of all, it's never too late, <laughs> never, ever too late. Ideally, you would be starting to have conversations with your child and putting boundaries and settings in place as they start using an internet enabled device. So that kind of starts at a young age in our country, right? 
they're moving towards their their tween age years, they're becoming used to what's already in place. And you're just building on that the older they get. I say that probably before they're just before their tweens is a good time to really start to um, to have these conversations. I think that they understand the concepts a lot better. When I say it's never too late, what I'm describing to you in an ideal world is the easiest path, but it's never too late, but it is going to take some hard work because the child hasn't experienced any settings or boundaries around their tech use, so definitely. So around that, I would encourage parents to start getting involved and getting interested in what their child is using their device for. So actually sitting with them, oh, what's that app you're using? Can you show me that? Hey, that's pretty cool. Great. You know, like what online games are they playing? Can you get them to teach you? Can you play that game with them? What videos they're watching? Like what websites they're visiting? Okay, you don't have to do it all in one go. But just over time, sit with them and show some interest. Because by you showing some interest, it's creating an opening for further conversation away from the devices. I will interject and tell you a funny story about um, I've just got like visions of, you know, your three daughters all peering over (laughs) a device. And there was one day um, I'd just come in from doing the laundry and Harrison I can't even remember how old he was. Um, Addison was still playing in in a room, but she but he was outside in the lounge, head in an iPad, and I'm like, you know, what are you looking at, darling? And he's like, quickly done it, and I'm like, honey, seriously, what are you looking at? He's like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. I'm like, <laughs> you didn't do what? And and I and I opened it up, and I'm like, and and he'd gone he'd got on to a porno site. It was like. It was my holy shit moment of, oh, my God, what what haven't I done? Have I not taught him right? Have I not done this right? And he's like, Mom, I, just, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know how. And it was like like the truck reversing, like beep, beep, beep. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right. And I don't know how I dealt with it, but it was a moment of like, yeah, it's it's really yeah. out there. And, and you... You brought up about apps, like what, you know, what apps they're working on um, or or looking at. So it'll be really interesting to know your thoughts about the various popular apps, I suppose, like um, Snapchat, WhatsApp. Discord is another one that Mm -hmm. um, my children use a lot. And, look, I'm a gamer myself and I use Discord in the gaming world, but I know that Addison uses it very much to interact with the school kids and she's on Snapchat a lot uh, as well, but in a touching base with her friends and are you getting on this train, are you getting on that train type thing. Um, so interesting to know what your thoughts are around the particular apps, yeah. Yeah, so um, the fact is that our kids tend not to use the Messenger app or the SMS app on their phones. So to communicate with each other, they are using a social media platform. For my middle child in particular, She and her friends like to direct message each other through Instagram. I think the biggest information I could give parents about those types of apps, about Discord, 
about the social media platforms that have messaging functions built in is that you need to be aware that wherever strangers can message or contact your child, there is a danger. Um, I know for a fact that someone tried to befriend my daughter on Instagram. She bought it to me. If she had approved that, she could have started to receive messages <laughs> So you see where this is going, uh, you know, and then the messages could potentially be someone grooming her, but they might appear to be a friend of a friend. And so she thinks that she kind of knows them in real life. And, and that's where the danger lies with um, all of the messaging apps. So be aware that they use the social media platforms in particular to message each other. That is their, their world of communication, um, but also be aware that that opens a lot of doors to strangers. And how important is it, do you feel, that the parents know how to operate and how to work these apps themselves? Yeah. And I ask this because um, only in the last couple of years, once Harry came home from his drama and he was living at home, he wouldn't, he wouldn't send me an SMS and that was my form of communication. Addie had come home and it, she'd be like oh, Harry, um, I saw what you did at work today. That was a really cool picture, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, that was another cool picture that you sent. And to me it was like, hang on, Harry, what am I missing out on here? And he turned around and he said, Mum, my form of communication is Snapchat. And if you want to see what I'm doing at work or sending me a message that I can quickly communicate back to you, then you've got to get on Snapchat. <laughs> And I'm like, but I really don't like Snapchat. And I've actually never liked Snapchat. But that's it's just not my thing. You. But I had to learn Snapchat as an app before I could even launch into communicating with both my children. And they were both of my friends. And, and it's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a big thing. I would say if you are allowing your child to have a social media platform, it is preferable to suggest that they only use one. And, and this works from a couple of different angles. Um, for a start, it stops your child from going into lots of different ones frequently. But secondly, you as the parent want to know about the apps that your child is using. By being able to limit them, it means that you kind of don't have to know about everything. I say that it's important, maybe not so much to know, um, to have hands-on experience with the app, but maybe more to know about its functionality. Does it have a messaging platform can they be approached by strangers? Can you turn off that function? Can they, um, you know, do the photos disappear? But can they be saved before they disappear? You know, all of that sort of thing. And then I encourage you to be friends with your child on that social media platform. But kids aren't silly. A lot of them will create a fake account, one for you to be friends on, and then another account that they use with their friends. That's the case with multiple apps as well. Like yes. Multiple Instagram accounts, TikTok, don't get me started on TikTok, um, and obviously Snapchat. So there is a really fine line and it will depend on your relationship with your child and also your child's maturity as to whether you can be their friend online. And um, I always recommend that if you're not the right person, then perhaps they have a trusted older cousin or a really cool young aunt that they might be friends with online. And then that person can just say to you, hey, I think maybe you should talk to so-and-so 
about this host. So, you know, you've kind of got a little bit of an informant. You're getting a bit of an insight to how they're using it. The social media apps, yes, are best if you can limit them to one. But this is kind of where conversations and some safety settings come into play. If you think your child is old enough and responsible enough and mature enough to have a social media account, then you should be able to sit with them and have a look at any of the privacy settings that are available within that social media platform and walk through and set those privacy settings with them. Yes, your child can definitely walk off and change those settings back to however they want them. But the fact that you've had the conversation and that you've sat down and you've walked through and set them together is kind of half the battle. We know kids are going to make mistakes, right? We give them the tools for all sorts of areas in their lives and they make mistakes and they learn from them. And technology is no different. So sit with them, tell them that there are privacy settings in there and go in together. You don't have to navigate, let them hold the phone. That's what they're good at. But you can different options (laughs) and make decisions together. And I think a lot of it comes back to the relationship that you have with your teenagers and building that relationship up from like a very early age, as you say. Do you feel that... Like, are you you scared about your three girls hitting their teenage years or do you feel confident in yourself that you're 100% over it because you are the cyber safety expert? Oh, no, I don't feel comfortable. I feel that I am um, building them up to use technology responsibly. But as a parent, I know that situations are going to happen. They're going to make mistakes. I could make mistakes. Yeah, look, I've got a lot of information, but I also feel that it works against me a little bit as well because because they know what I do. I think they truly believe I go overboard. You know, they might be tempted to take a few more risks than they would have otherwise. But I have two teams and my middle one, I keep a fairly close eye on and I'm very aware of what she has access to and when she has access to it. The older one is nearly 18 and she is more mature. I have a different relationship with her. So her use of technology has been a little bit different to her younger sibling. And I've also started to take my foot off the brake. It's time for her to fly. Harry keeps on messaging me randomly. And he messaged me just earlier saying he wanted to know how to how to get something from a wreckers. And he's like, Mum, how do I do this? And as a mum, I could have totally Googled and rung that number and done all the investigating himself. But like you say, take your foot off the brake a bit. And I just messaged back a little bit later. I said, honey, I have actually no idea, but I would probably ring this guy or maybe Google a website to see what you can do. But they would be my steps. Hashtag, I am not doing this for you. (laughs) In a lot of the parenting groups that I'm in at the moment, um, one quite recently, A lady mentioned her daughter was being groomed. Now, you've spoken about this or touched on this a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. and this lady was um, mentioning that her daughter was being groomed through Discord. I've had other people talk to me as well, and one of them was being groomed or approached by, by a pedophile through Instagram. Another one was through Snapchat. And this was all linked back to the app conversation that we've just had there seems to be more of it out there in the world than we actually realize or want to realize have you got any yeah thoughts and comments on that 
Yeah, well, firstly, um, these people are experts at what they do. It's what they do professionally. We need to help our children understand the difference between friends in real life and friends online. So what they're doing is they're actually approaching a number of who they believe are children. And normally they're going to do this in the early hours of the morning because if they have a response, they know that that child is more than likely in their bedroom being unsupervised okay, and willing to take a risk. A lot of the time they don't even live far away. They've worked out that they're only a couple of suburbs away and they start to have a look through all of the child's friends and work out what their interests are. And this target group of kids starts to narrow until they have one target that they know is responding. And, and then they start to shower them with affection, with gifts and all that sort of thing until such point where they share an intimate photo of themselves and expect the child to share one back. And because the child has been given so many gifts or um, has received so much affection, you know, and, and don't forget, some kids are craving affection. So they'll take it any way they can. And so the child then shares back this intimate photo of themselves, which the groomer then uses as blackmail. You know, they'll share it with, with, the, um, with the child's family, etc. So it's really important, I think, to talk about this process that online groomers use for children with our children so that they understand what's going on. Because if they don't understand that they're making friends with a stranger who is very weirdly, you know, giving them gifts and showering them with praise and liking what they like, then they're not going to realize the gravity of the situation. And it happens across all platforms, even, you know, like um, gaming platforms, online gaming. So they might game with the child for a period of time and then connect with them and then say, hey, um, how about we chat on WhatsApp? Or how about, um, you know, we move to Facebook? Have you got a Facebook account? So I actually move them off the original platform so that they can continue that conversation. So it's important to talk to our kids about the process and it's important to share with them current news articles and there are gazillions of them, examples of our children being groomed, children who have been groomed, children who have then met with the online groomer and been placed in a sexual position. Share it with them because if, if they're not mature enough to talk about this information, then I question whether they're mature enough to have that social media platform. Is there any one particular app that that you don't like <laughs> um it's a curly I, question i don't have a favorite dislike of one i if i had to pick one i'd say snapchat i think and the reason why is because they have this um the snap snapchat streaks have you heard of that so the kids they um i do every yeah. day and don't yep. don't drop the streak don't, <laughs> don't drop, the, drop streak. the streak so what happens when a child goes on school camp for example and they're not allowed to take their advice they don't the want to drop the streak yeah they're gone so what they're doing is they're actually giving friends from other schools their login information their password yeah <clears throat> yes so that the streak can be continued. And I know Snapchat oh, want our kids stay on their app and to keep using it, and that's why they have streaks. But it's actually getting to the point where it's encouraging children to make bad decisions. Mm, and to <laughs> be really devious. Yeah, even with their best yeah. friend, it's not okay, even for a Snapchat streak. <laughs> <laughs> or isn't there like, um, like a best friend's top five or something? 
Like, yeah. I think I got to Addison's, I don't know, best friend list once. I think I did the whole street thing for like three days or something. <laughs> go you. Um, yeah, go me. I know, right? Okay, so to round it off, and I feel that there's potentially like another three or four podcasts that can come out of all the information that we've spoken about today. One bit of advice to the parents of like those tweens that are that potentially haven't got any restrictions in place now and yep. are listening, going, Oh my God, I've got nothing. What do I do? Like, yeah. where do I even start? Okay, so absolutely, if you've got tweens and you're not sure where to start, start talking to them. Create a family technology contract with their input. Don't create it and present it to them and say this is how it's going to be because you and I both know that's going to end in tears. Get them involved in the process, okay? Um, So talk to them. Create the family technology contract with settings and boundaries and do your own research. Work out what they're using, um, how it works. So if they're using YouTube, for example, you can use um, the YouTube parent supervised accounts, okay? Go ahead and set it up and then work out if there's any kind of parental control settings in the games that they're using. And while you're at it, um, find a trusted resource somewhere like my my website or the eSafety Commissioner's website. It has oodles of information that you can turn to when you have a question because trust me, you are going to have a gazillion questions during your child's digital life. So having somewhere that you know you can turn to when there's a curly question or when something happens is one thing off your plate. You don't have to think about where you're going. You know where you're going to get that in. That's great. Thank you. And so your business in particular, a little bit about your business and if anybody listening wanted to contact you directly, how how can we reach you? Sure. I'm on Facebook, the Cyber Safety Tech Mum, and you can direct message me there. I work with families. I run online Zoom meetings to determine their children's ages, the types of devices they have in their home, and how those devices are being used so that I can supply my recommendations and options for parental controls in your home. And along with that, a guide, a step-by-step guide on how you actually set those up. And for families that are located close to me, I'll actually come out to your home and touch your devices and create those parental settings for you. We walk through um, a number of different areas for boundaries and settings in your home. So what happens is you walk away with a main plan that you can implement in your own home. And I also run from time to time um, my Screen Time Formula program live. And that's a very similar thing. We get together every couple of days and we work through the six, six-step process to create your family screen time formula. That sounds fantastic. Thank you. Um I think we're done. I think we've had a really great session. It's been so, so wonderful to have you on as my very first guest. Um, We've known each other for a very long time. Thank you so much for your time. I will drop your details um, in the comments and people can reach out to you directly. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sasha. I really, um, really enjoyed our chat and um, I appreciate you asking me to be here today. Awesome. Thank you. And just like that, it's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the last 20 or so minutes and have walked away with some golden nuggets of information. 
If you'd like to join our Raising Resilient Teens Facebook group, the link will be in the comments. And until next time, ciao!